0: We are so happy you joined us, and thank you for listening. This episode was recorded prior to the COVID-19 crisis. We hope it adds value to your day, as you and so many around the world face new challenges during this difficult time. We pray that you are well, safe, and we wish you all the best. Thank you again, and enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to Tracksuits and Pajamas.
0: Or Pajamas.
1: We are two best friends from different walks of life.
0: And sleep numbers.
1: Together we'll delve into everything massive and mundane.
0: Join us as we address politics, love, race, parenthood, pancakes, and more.
1: Because when you're comfortable and among kindreds, no topic is off limits.
0: All right, welcome to our second episode of Tracksuits and Pajamas. Uh, I'm Trenzio Turner.
1: And I'm Noel Newby.
0: And we are so excited that you came back to hear a second episode, because uh, you could have just ended it with the first one.
1: Yeah, you could have. We're glad you're here.
0: Yes, yeah, so, applause to you all. <laughs> um, again, just a quick reminder, I know y'all just heard the intro, but uh, this is Tracksuits and Pajamas, where we talk about um, the middle. So, how do you not run to your respective corners when things come up, disagreements, difficult conversations, or issues? Uh, but instead of running to the corners, you actually come to the middle, stay in the middle, and try to discuss and solve things with civility.
1: Oh, that's a good word, civility.
0: I've been saving up for that one, like, since the first episode.
1: I think we have people that can't spell civility, much oh, less oh, I live can't, civility. Oh, oh, I can't spell it. Oh, but you can live it. Though.
0: Yeah, I just, I just, you know, went to Google and had them say it and memorize it. Love it. Uh, so... Uh, during the last episode, we kind of gave you an overview of things and we went through a list of topics that we were going to jump into. And, and so, By the
1: way, thanks for sticking with us through our first episode. We felt a little, I don't know, like a little bit of, an, a, of a vulnerability hangover after that one. Because it's a little awkward the first time coming in, sitting down and yeah. having a microphone and headphones and all sorts of things.
0: Yeah, the whole insecurity machine was like working.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: know? We had to, like, beat it back. And we're here. We're here.
1: For the second round. Ready or not. And all rounds (laughs) future-facing.
0: So today, we're going to talk to you about leaning into complexity versus falling into simplicity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Juicy. So, what do we mean by that? Well, I just mentioned earlier about sort of when people disagree, what they tend to do is run in their respective corners. But... What we hope is that when people disagree or there's an issue or when things get messy or uncomfortable, we should try to dig into those feelings and thoughts a little bit more, right? Versus, Which nobody
1: really likes to do. Let's be clear.
0: No, instead we'd rather kind of push things away, or sort of cast others away, just cast them off uh, and retreat to our comfort zones.
1: Yeah, the thing about comfort zones, right, are we created them when we were little kids, they were protective mechanisms around ourselves to keep things out.
0: It's a blankie.
1: Right. And it's the mindset of maybe a seven-year-old, of which Trends, you and I both have one. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, eight-year-old for you. That's right. Um, so yeah, it's that—it's that magical thinking. It's that idea of that I can keep myself safe if I just put an insulation that keeps all of the bad out, and it keeps me super comfortable. But if we stay stagnant in that idea of a of a little kid version of ourselves and adults, I think we can see in the world what happens when that occurs. The complex is complex. That's mm-hmm. why it is complex. So what does it mean to have to kind of grow those muscles to be able to really? Um, Move towards it instead of away from it, like a hot stove.
0: Yeah, it's like like a like a defense mechanism. Yeah, and you know, very much like children, you you know, we want things simple. And I think some ways, as an adult, you sort of never leave that. Of course, as you get older and you do more adulting, uh, things become much more complicated. They're not quite as simple. But I think all of us, and I know I sure do, look for shortcuts. You know, to sort of help us organize things. You talked about last time there was an article out uh, that talked about how people make thirty-five thousand decisions a day.
1: Oh, that Psychology Today yeah. article, yeah.
0: I mean, that's that's staggering. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, and those those decisions range from, you know, what behavioral scientists call type one, type two decisions. So, like gut decisions, you know, things like um, I'm gonna or instincts where I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this pack of gum all the way to the decisions that you have to make to buy a house, right? So, but all of that's going on. So if you're making that many decisions in a day and they sort of vary or run the gamut of that spectrum from gut instinct, impulsive, all the way to sort of more serious things, I can see how you want to tap out with a shortcut. Uh, You know, can't blame you.
1: And a lot of those shortcuts include sorting. It includes sorting people, it includes sorting past experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked a minute ago about the kid scenario and the way that we build these protective in- infrastructures around ourselves. It's almost like we're trying to override, you know, I've touched a hot stove once, so you learn that lesson, I don't touch that hot stove again. But here what we're trying to do is why it's important to keep going back towards the stove is it's not just this one lesson and done, whether it's about a group of people or an experience or a place mm-hmm. that the complexity really asks that we go back again and maybe trust that you're not going to get burned. And that's such a mind flip of what our intuitive, protective mechanisms tell us to do.
0: Oftentimes when things get tough, a lot of people will just sort of stop right there. Um, but, you know, I remember our pastor was talking about this one time, sort of how the breakthrough tends to be on the other side of that. But there's a lot of complexity in there. And when you talk about the issues that tend to send people running to their respective corners of the universe, you know, whether it's health care or it's education or um, just any of the hot button issues, immigration. Right. These these are things that just sort of send people in one direction or the other all those things are extremely complicated. Right. right? You and I were talking earlier about um social security and about the VA, right? And just how because of life things spending time in those places. These are really complex institutions, right? There's a lot that goes in there. You want it to be simple, but it's just not. You know, so, you know, you really have to try to lean into that complexity versus just checking out from a simplicity standpoint.
1: Yeah. And I think we I think we get ourselves in a position where we create bubbles around our communities. We create bubbles around our families and our friends, mm-hmm. especially um we're both in our 40s. What? Some of us more late 40s whoa, whoa. than early 40s. You know, but by this point we've amassed that many years of experiences mm-hmm. and it's easy to say like these are my people and these aren't my people and then everything else that we see is proof of why the people that we hold close are those ones that we can trust Mm -hmm. and that people outside of that circle of trust are people to be feared. Whatever the reason is, stereotypes play into that role. um, Past experiences play into that role. But the point is you miss out on juiciness of what is available to all of us for continued growth versus being stagnant.
0: Yeah, I mean, getting a chance to really dig in to something Is difficult, but it's also rewarding. Um, It does require a lot of you, right? There's a a lot of energy that you sort of have to exert to lean into complexity versus just falling into simplicity. Um, Empathy is something that we talked about a lot. We set it up at the beginning uh, of the first episode. Um, A big part of Being empathy, showing someone true empathy is active listening, right? Putting yourself in their situation, understanding their beliefs, their concerns, so that you can solve a problem. That takes a lot of energy, right? And when you're making the tons of decisions that people are making every day, it's hard to exert that a little bit. But until we can sort of do that, it's hard to get true, sort of true meaning or true understanding. I mean, most of the time when you see people arguing about something, especially one of those hot button issues. A lot of times no one's t- no one seems to be taking any time to really understand the other person's perspective. One of the topics that we'll talk about in the future will be the importance of, at some point in your life, putting yourself in the minority to work with the majority to solve a problem. And I think one of the reasons why we really like that concept is because it forces you into a complex situation that you do not understand, right? It, it's... It's the complete void of simplicity because you have no idea or no experience, um, hopefully, with what you're doing. But you have to learn, listen, try to understand, and then actually solve a problem in there. And that's one of the things that we would want people to try to do more of um, as you start trying to address this.
1: You know, as a a listener and my friends that I talk to about this, the question comes up, you know, why would I do this? Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted already. What we're asking people to do is very active. It's not a passive thing. It's not something that comes easily or organically to people. Mm -hmm. Um, There are people I think who it's more a natural state of being for, but in general, it's something else to do on my list. And it can get really easy to get worked up in, you know, I have a never ending to-do list already. Um, I have this life experience, I have my people, I have my friends, you know, why do I need to do this? And I think the question of that gets answered from kind of a a more broad scale, is if we look at a country in crisis, which I think is fair to state that ours is, if we look at um, the the de-evolution of friendships and relationships and the escalation of, and maybe every generation feels that way, but I feel like we're at a place where the escalation of angst and hate and vitriol is at an all-time high. Um, and again, I think many generations would say that they felt that at their time. I think mm-hmm. we just live in a very interesting time that this is our moment. It's also exacerbated by technology. We're hearing it everywhere. You can turn open Twitter, and we'll say turn on Twitter. That makes me sound even older than I am. <laughs> like, turn the Twitter on. Uh, but, you know, we, you see it everywhere. And so it really... I think we really are at a turning point, and one of the reasons that we wanted to start this podcast and start having dialogue between each other and then also with potential guests is to start really trying to unravel, like, what does it mean to to show that empathy into the world? What does it mean to be in the middle, and why is it important? Like, I actually believe that it's a life-saving skill, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it seems counterintuitive. It seems scary, and it seems like because I have to put myself out there and be more vulnerable – It seems as though it wouldn't be that, but if more and more of us could start having these more difficult conversations and lean into complexity, I think that the potential reward is rich and higher than we can even imagine. So it's really easy, maybe not easy, but it's easier to chat about all of this in hypotheticals. right? Like We use words like the middle, and we use words like complexity and simplicity, and it's all this ethereal, this is what it looks like from up here but i think it's also important that we talk about the real day-to-day life of what it what it means to try to do this yeah, and buddy. when it's hard because Trincy and i both like to think and it's also true i think we're more predisposed to be able to kind of see the enigma and see the shades of gray in mm-hmm. things especially you know the latest twitter feud or who did what to whom and where the truth actually lies but all and all that's important and i think that that's a good skill set to be able to look for but the reality is i have occurrences almost on the daily that make it feel impossible to stay in the middle and mm-hmm. one of those big buckets for me is parenting
0: oh yes the little people
1: the tiny humans in our care oh And this is where we're tying it back to a little bit at the beginning of the episode is like this is not about being easy. This is about having to do this work when you're highly triggered. And I know that that's like an odd word these days and Mm -hmm. everybody feels um, triggered by the word triggered. I don't know. But the truth is like we all come to this life and come to where we are today, whatever day today is of our life experiences. And we're going to have emotional Um, overlays on top of it and we're gonna have that's not making any sense but whatever you know we're just gonna keep rolling with it I
0: said just keep going
1: you know but go ahead
0: no go ahead we're all
1: these spiritual beings who've had all these experiences and so the reality is most of the time when you're having to make a decision on staying in the middle it's not a mental decision it's that I feel really worked up about something and now when do I find the middle
0: yeah like the the whole parenting thing is interesting because I remember when um when our son was young, we were trying to decide would he go to private school or public school. And you know, we we'll probably talk about education at some point. It's a whole separate thing. But I didn't realize the complexities sort of in my own head that would come up with making that decision. Right. So because you oh, and I are both oh public, public school, school kids all Crockett the way, I man, got the t-shirt and pom poms to go with it, hundred percent. All about public school system, uh parents taught in it, our family members have taught in it, been administrators in it everything um, but when it came to deciding where he would go to school, you obviously want your kids to have like every parent right you want them to have every best possible opportunity to succeed and If you're in a position to, because not everybody is, because our parents weren't in a position for private school to even be part of the equation, right? Um, Our situation is a little bit different. So we were able to look at the pros and cons of each. But then for me, what I started to to sort of project my own sort of issues onto that or my own sort of background had nothing really to do with my kid at all. Because how
1: often does that happen? Yeah. All the time.
0: I mean, it's like you wanted, um, as a kid in school, I struggled in reading, and so I wanted to make sure that our son, you know, just had had the best of everything.
1: We want them to have the best of everything. Like, we want them to, I want to override all of my experiences and keep them from having to have any of those painful ones that I've had. Right. And then we also use our experience, like any parent, to project onto our kids of what we're hope for them and what we hope that they can avoid. Mm-hmm. But the truth is things change. You were talking about when your son was born, the idea, and once, they, once he started reaching school age, what does that look like when you can have the ability to choose a school? Right. Which must have been strange for you anyway, because there's this idea, too, of choice that didn't really factor in for you as a little kid, right. or me for that matter. And so one of the interesting things about this conversation with our kiddos, I found, and let me know if you think that this is also true, of like sitting in the privilege of being able to have that option as a choice, private versus public.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, the the things for us, for our son, my wife, she speaks German, right? And so language was always something that was really important to us. Um, And for our kid, we wanted him to be able to speak Spanish. And we we heard somewhere where like if you – if you can speak English, Spanish, and I think it is Mandarin, that you can communicate to like 95% of the world, right? So that was one of the things we wanted to make sure that he had was a place where you have language. Uh, of course, we wanted to have great academics. Um, but when we started talking about great a- academics and talking about our kids, I was talking to my aunt, uh, who was a former public school administrator, and she said, you have to be careful about Labeling a place um, a great school, right? She said because there's a whole lot of factors that go into that. Um, How do you define great, right? Is great the fact that the place is extremely diverse, right? Is great that they did well on some standardized test report that the state puts out? Is great that um, they have different programming and curriculum like dual language and that sort of thing? Uh, it's great that they have a new playground, right? It's great it's a new school. But what, is that, what does that mean? And and we quickly realized that it just wasn't as simple as having our kid in a great school, right? Once we started peeling that back a little bit more, and it caused us to have to dig a little bit deeper to figure out exactly what we wanted from a place. Um,
1: well, the interesting thing about all those, like, checklists mm-hmm. is it also doesn't yet take into consideration the kid. Him or herself, right, you know, so we look at these buckets, and I think that this is a great discussion of the way i, I mean, I'm a visual learner and a word learner, but I always think of a Venn diagram, and what we're talking about with the middle is where that Venn diagram overlaps, and we'd love to say that you know public school versus private or charter school that there are unique circles, right. That it's either or.
0: Right.
1: Um, just like any other decision that we feel like we have to make, some many of these 35,000 decisions a day, it's either or. I've got to do this or this. The reality is I find that most of those – I want to put a percentage to it, but that would just be making something up off the top of my head. Like 90% of those decisions number. have overlap and that it's not that clear. Yes, you may ultimately need to decide, do I send my son to school A or school B? But the middle of that decision is where it's really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but a lot of the richness lies too. And even if you finally ultimately make a decision to send your son to private school or public school, that there are still things that need to be uncovered in that middle and that we're all better for taking a look at them. Like, for example, you know, when, you did that, when you were going through that decision, what went through your mind?
0: Where I went to school, at one of the things that made it unique that I really wanted for our son was that there was there were people from all different backgrounds, right? So you had on the same street, uh, someone's parent was a doctor, uh, someone's parent worked for sanitation for the city, someone's parent was a teacher someone else uh, worked at the local department stores, someone else. Uh, did lawn work right? You had a wide range And we all saw each other And all went to school together And that gave you sort of Layers of insight To culture that At the time as a kid You don't really appreciate uh, But looking at how we are right now And what's happening in the country Makes you really value that And so we wanted him to be in a place That had that And then we started to realize That that's difficult to find Today, uh, it's difficult to find in the city that we live in. Uh, and then that brings up things like privilege and equity and what does that look like and where do you want your child at based on that. And so it, it just quickly turned into this really complex thing that we thought would be simple.
1: I think, I think what makes me uncomfortable in these situations is this idea that there's this perfect choice. Right, Right? That there is a right choice Mm -hmm. versus the better choice. And those are two totally different things. And I think the need to make there be a right choice then has to vilify the other side. Mm -hmm. I mean, go on any sort of blog or um, we've had a lot of boundary discussions in Austin lately about the public school system. Like any sort of online um, grouping about topics like this or topics like anything, it's not just that people can be for – private schools or for public schools. There's this need to vilify people that have made different choices. Mm -hmm. And I continue to be curious about that because I think that that I can decide that what is right for my kids at this point in time for who they are and the way that we want to raise them, that doesn't have to mean that a different decision is wrong for another family.
0: Right. One of the things that I was disappointed in myself about And I was surprised it caught me off guard was because I felt like I know better. And I still, even right now when I think about it, it makes me angry uh, at myself, was the role that race would play in my decision making about where he went to school at. Like, it would seem like a no brainer, uh, especially for those that that sort of know me, because when you when you grow up black in America, you sort of know what comes along with that. Um and when you're raising a little black boy, you know what comes along with that. And I'm sure we'll get into those episodes a little bit later. At first I wasn't um that was always sorta in the back of my mind, but then I realized just how just how weighty that was. And I, I don't wanna make it sound like I didn't I didn't realize that. Um but what when
1: part I, made you mad about it?
0: Well, because you started to when you raise a child of color you have to make decisions and choices. You you have to add that to the calculation. So it's one thing for me to have to add, hey, do they have a good reading program? Do they have a good dual language program? Do they have, you know, X, Y, and Z program? Well, I also got to make sure, do they have people in that school that look like him, right? Um, Teachers and students. Teachers, students, students, administrators. Um, Will people sort of recognize his background, even though as a kid, he's still processing that, right? So then there's complexities there because I'm not trying to dump everything on him at, you know, four or five years old when they're in kindergarten. You sort of explain these things to them over time and at that level. Um, But you realize that when you're making a decision, or we realized when we were making a decision about our child and where he would go to school, that Consciously, but even more so subconsciously, it was playing a huge role in the decisions that we were making. And so the things that we were uncomfortable with, I remember when we looked at one of the private schools, there was something about it that just kept bugging us, right? And then later on we were like, oh, this place is not as diverse as they claim it to be, right? Even though they had people from, different, uh, backgrounds, but it was not a very ethnically diverse place. Uh, and so it was, it was very, it's very sort of one-sided and that was difficult for us because we didn't want to, that's exactly what we were trying to avoid. So the thing we were trying to avoid, we realized we sort of failed at, if you will. And so that caused us to make some adjustments later on, but that was, that was something that we, we kind of struggled with and we, we didn't realize We realized, but we didn't realize the complexity of it. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: And so where did you ultimately get out?
0: Well, we wind up... um, We took them out. We we were always going to have them in public school. I think that was always going to be our goal. But I felt like we we needed to try the private school route um, just because it was something neither one of us had been exposed to and we had heard so many positive things about it. So for us... It came down to us we, so we pulled them out of the private school and we placed them into the public school uh, that we were always really interested in, because uh, it was more diverse. The leader of the school was from a diverse, diverse background and had worked in various communities before um, with children of color. And there was also um, there were students that transferred into this school, but there were also kids from the community that go to this school. And those kids that go to this school that are from the community um, are from various socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, so it, w- it was the closest thing that we could find to sort of how I grew up and the richness that you got from having multi backgrounds. Uh, and so... We're very happy where he is right now because we feel that place is sort of rich and has all the layers. Um, But we quickly realized consciously and subconsciously um, the role that race was playing in our decision making uh, as parents for our child. And then sort of dealing with the fact that that's something that not all parents have to think about. Um, And
1: um, I mean, it sounds trite, but it's it's. You're right. All parents don't have to think about that. You know, that's not – from a privilege standpoint, and it's hard to admit, like I think about diversity. I want our kids to go to a diverse school, but it's more theoretical, right? Mm. It's more um, – it's not as, as day-to-day has, has the – it doesn't have as big of a day-to-day impact it's this almost outside-the-circle kind of thing of, like, of course, I want them to have friends of different backgrounds and different ethnicities, and I want that for my kids, and I want to have a thriving, rich environment where everybody can benefit. Mm-hmm. But it it's one of those things that, for you, is a must, and for me, embarrassingly, sometimes can be a nice-to-have. Like, we have that in our school for our kids, but it doesn't have to be a deal-breaker. And right. I would like to think through all of these all, all sorts of things that when when do they come when does when does whatever our privilege get get a mirror put up in front of it whatever our privilege is get a mirror put up in front of it that it becomes the number 2 thing I ask versus the number six thing I I ask after test scores and, you know, safety and all of these other types of things. And it sounds like, you know, the exploration of the middle for you guys and looking for school for your kiddo, it was surprising because what came up to be number one wasn't what you necessarily expected, or maybe not number one, but what came up to the top wasn't what you may have expected to come up to the top. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're talking about. It's like you have to really – get in it sometimes and not know what you're going to find. Like you think you're going to find a list of things like what are the test scores here and what you really find are emotions and things that are more important than we thought they were. And at the end of the day, like this this kind of decision can happen again and again and again. I mean my kids are in schools that we're happy with right now, Mm -hmm. but that could change in – A year, It could change. The dynamics of the school can change. The dynamics of my kiddos can change and what they need. And so I think it's important. And, you know, all my nieces and nephews go to private schools. And so I think it's I also know that that's the best place for them. Mm -hmm. I know we're in the best place for ourselves today. But that I have no illusions of this idea that one is good and one is bad. I mean, there's charter schools to put into the mix. There's all Mm -hmm. sorts of different education options that are all great. And I think we have to trust people to make those decisions that are right for their family and trust that I may have to make a different decision that's right for my family and put things at the forefront of making sure that they're important for this education of these tiny humans in our care. And we could talk about parenting for 42 episodes. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much about the middle of parenting. Um, But – It speaks to the need, I think, that we have and that we see of people needing to make one bad and one good Mm -hmm. to almost – beef up my decision and make me feel righteous in my decision of I've cho- I've chosen public school because I was a public school kid and mm-hmm. we've got to support our public schools and everything else is coming to kind of like t- like take away from what public schools can provide when the truth is that's not true. The truth is that there there's a lot of education options out there that are beneficial for everyone and that there's room enough for everyone. We just have to figure out what that means and that's the complexity. The the ease is one is bad and one is good. The complexity is maybe everyone can be served by a combination of all of these things, but how do we make it better?
0: Mm-hmm. All things can be true. Well,
1: I mean, we obviously could chat about this forever. Yes. Forever. But I think that's probably a good place to put a pen in it for this week. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So please, 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 if you like this, go review it and review it well. If you don't like it, then don't review it. Um, <laughs>
1: Leave us a comment, give us some feedback, I and mean, we're still kind of getting our feet up underneath us.
0: Yep. And please share with your family, friends, co-workers, everyone. Uh, please let them know about the podcast so they can be listening to the same thing that you are.
1: And we're excited to keep talking.
0: All right. Till next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.